guys, and thank you for listening to the Campus Safety Voices podcast. My name is Amy Rock, and I am Senior Editor for Campus Safety. Each year, Campus Safety has a Director of the Year Awards program that recognizes K-12, higher ed, and hospital police chiefs, security directors, emergency managers, or heads of security and or public safety who demonstrate outstanding leadership skills, ingenuity, and selflessness. We name a winner from each sector at one of our Campus Safety Conferences. The nomination materials we receive for each finalist are chock full of notable accomplishments. To give the finalists more deserved recognition, we like to chat with them further to highlight a few of their most impressive accomplishments or achievements they are especially proud of. In this interview, I spoke with K-12 finalist Christopher Ellisor, Director of Safety and Emergency Services for Lexington School District 1, about how his law enforcement background helps in his current role, how he implemented and improved an anonymous tip line, how his district has handled an influx in reported student mental health concerns, and tips or recommendations he has for schools looking to implement an anonymous tipping system from scratch or upgrade their current system. Take a listen. Be sure to subscribe to Campus Safety's YouTube channel and like or leave a comment on our videos. Or subscribe to our Campus Safety Voices podcast on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. And so you are now director of safety and emergency services at Lexington School District 1. It's a mouthful um, in South Carolina, but you do have a background in law enforcement. Can you elaborate on that background and maybe how it has helped or continues to help you in your current role? Sure. Yeah. So I am the director of safety and emergency services here at Lexington, uh, Lexington School District 1 in Lexington, South Carolina. Uh, came to District 1 and uh, started a they started a new program, um, school safety uh, program here, our department, I should say, in 2014. Um, I left Lexington Police Department at that time. Uh, I spent just over eight years there, um, kind of working my way through the department. Um, my last three years were as an investigator, detective there. Um, so I was excited about coming over and, and sharing what I've learned and, and you know my knowledge. And I, I'd done a lot of training with Lexington PD. Um, assistant SWAT team leader. I mean, just a length of active shooter stuff, uh, trained our folks at Lexington um, as all that kind of started to roll out in years prior to my, my leaving. But um, how that's helped me in my day-to-day, -day, you know, it's, for me, what I've learned in this position is it's, a lot of it's about relationships. So it's about the relationships that you build and, and it truly, truly helps because even though I left law enforcement in 2014, I feel like I haven't left at all because I'm in constant contact with our officials, both our school resource officers or uh, command staff at uh, three different agencies that we use. Um, we're pretty, I think we're the third largest district in the state. Don't quote me on that because that may have changed over the years. Um, but uh, when I started here in 14, I believe we're the third largest, maybe, maybe fourth. Uh, but we, we cover three different, uh, well, one county, but three, I guess two municipalities and one sheriff's department. So. I uh, work with three different agencies and it's just without those relationships, it's, it'd be very difficult to do what I do because I, you know, there are times where I have to make a phone call after hours or I, I receive a phone call after hours. And if you didn't know who to call and, and, and who to get in touch with for what particular situation, I could see it being very difficult to go through an operator or a dispatcher, um, you know, to make those phone calls and get something happening. Uh, Cause a lot of times that's, that's what you're trying to do in my position is trying to get somebody to a, to a target site to get some help or get some response from those agencies. 
Yeah, I imagine having that that background helps you kind of you're able to get into it, like hit the ground running type of thing in a lot of ways, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, after reading your Campus Safety Director of the Year nomination submissions, I know that you spearheaded the adoption and implementation um, of a tip line that allows students to anonymously report safety concerns by text now 24 hours a day. And what are some challenges or roadblocks that you faced when implementing that system and how did you work to overcome that? Sure. So, um, you know, we I realized pretty quick when I came to the district that well, one, we needed a single language um, across our, all of our schools. We had 31 schools at the time. Um, so we adopted the standard response protocol. And then I, you know, after finally getting that in, in place, which took, you'd be surprised, it takes a, a year or more to get everybody on board and everybody functioning from the same, same tune there. But uh, what I noticed next is that, you know, students don't communicate via a phone line anymore, as in they don't pick up a phone and dial a number. They they communicate via text. And so we had a tip line that we had established here for a hard line number uh, for years now, but you weren't seeing really any tips coming in and there was a lot of activity still occurring within our schools. Uh, so we, we did some research, I did some research and we discovered a, a, um, a vendor which we did use for other uh, school safety related um, incidents, uh, or excuse me, school safety related software solutions. Uh, they also offered a tip line. I would tell you that vendor's name, but I get in trouble with my district uh, policies and things like that. But if anybody wants to call or email me and ask and talk about it, I'm happy to do that. Um, but, you know, it, it really worked out well for us. That, that tip line gave the students the option to uh, email, website. Uh, they can make a phone call if they decide to, or they can send a text message. And so what we saw right away is, is they don't mind sending a text message. Um, they're very good at it. I've got three children at home and they love to send text messages, right? So <clears throat> you know, it, the interesting thing is how do you deal with that? Well, that's what we had to kind of work around. So we started with, um, we're, we're about 26,000 students. So when we implemented this program, there were four of us um, which received the text or, or, or the tips via email. And so when one of us received the tip, we would just respond to the tip, whoever was looking at their email at the time. And then we just kept our cell phones live with a group text and said, hey, I handle tip number, you know, whatever, 210, um, just to kind of give us an update. But then as it kind of, as we grew as a, a department and I added another member to my department, we, we pretty much manage that now with two of us. Um, he kind of goes to bed early and I go to bed late. So we do, we do take those tips after hours. I mean, we, you know, the last report I pulled um, from last year, last school year, which if you, I mean, it was COVID year, so it was kind of odd. Uh, we had 43% of those tips coming in after hours. Uh, so what that means is there's, you know, th those students go home. I mean, you probably all know this, but they go home and they start texting and they start uh, Snapchatting, they start Instagramming. And, and some of those students decide to send uh, inappropriate uh, materials or statements and so you know reports come out of those and so a tip a, a, another student may see that they'll take a quick picture of that snapchat and they'll forward it to the tip line um, which is fantastic because it gives us the opportunity to, to investigate it before you know if somebody says they're going to shoot the school up well I want to know about that at nine o'clock the night before and not wait till you know 6 30 next morning to find out about it when I already have kids coming to campus um, so that's really what centered me around the, the thought process of, hey, we've got to start acting now. Um, I can't exactly remember the year, but, and I know I've been with them for several years now, but when we started, I mean, there was one situation where a, gen a student had made a threat, um, uh, 
about shooting up the school. And it was like two o'clock in the morning when the tip came in and how one of us picked it up. I don't know. I don't recall the, the, how that transpired. One of us got it and we started making phone calls to our, our local, um, our local officers. And we got uh, with the command staff, the night, night shift command, and, and they got an officer to that door um, that day and, and addressed or that night and addressed the issue. Um, I hate to say it, but I think even this school year, when we started our school year at five o'clock in the morning, our first day we had at the FBI was actually at a door of a student off of a tip received. I mean, it's just, you can't wait on those things anymore. You know, there used to be a day where a school would say, hey, we'll deal with this the next morning. We're, we're past that in my, in my book, in my opinion, and, and how we treat it here at Lexington One is we're going to act now um, to try and prevent any harm from occurring. Um, so 43% were after school hours, 57% during school hours. Uh, I get up uh, rather late and he gets up rather early. So it kind of works out for both of us to kind of monitor that. Um, in fact, I answered one last night where we had a tip for some drug, drug sales. I mean, the kid was posting on Instagram his drug sales and he was naming the school. Um, so law enforcement, I quickly sent that over and they're investigating that. So um, it's working out pretty well for us. I, I feel like it is. I've, I've seen some great results. Um, I would even argue we've saved uh, two lives that I know of um, due to suicide, you know, suicide uh, ideations being uh, communicated either via text with a friend or via Snapchat or social media platform with a friend. And then that friend communicating to our tip line and us sending law enforcement straight to that door and interacting with that individual, you know, attempting to locate them. So uh, we, we're very pleased with it. Yeah, minus the, you probably get three hours of sleep a night, but. <laughs> Depends on the night, no. Yeah. There are yeah. some nights where you, you wonder, yeah, for sure. I, uh, I feel like a lot of people except for people like you that are, are in the day-to-day, -day, but they hear, they think anonymous tips are almost always related to school shootings or school violence like that. But from so many people that I've talked to and the data shows that so many of them are like self-harm or things like that. And so people just focus so much on the school violence aspect of it when the, it's obviously important to focus on that, but most of the tips coming in aren't related to that. So. Sure. And we, um, Every student in our, in our district wears an ID. So on the back of the ID, we put the, uh, I don't know if you guys can see this, but we, we put the suicide hotline on there and our tip line on there so that you can call and make a tip. And the student, every student gets this ID and they can see those two numbers on there. Now, I have no idea what the suicide tip line sees because they don't report that to us, but it'd be interesting to know how many transpired from, from our district. Mm -hmm. And have you, obviously the last two years have been strange because whether it's a hybrid or completely remote, but have you, we obviously cover mental health has been a serious concern. It always is, but especially with the pandemic and also just like a lot more school violence incidents. Um, have you noted, did you notice over the last two years, any patterns or influx in reported concerns? Um, I, I'll be honest, we talked about this. Um, I think it was about maybe two months ago at a board meeting. Um, we really haven't seen a change in the number of we at the school district have to rely on sort of our disciplinary action, right, with some of this stuff. So uh, all the numbers are pretty well the same um, from what we're being told. I, I don't have anything to do with that side of it. But I will say that on my side, I also manage uh, threat assessment teams at each school. And I'm sorry, my light went out. And that's, um, that's new to our state. So uh, state law dictated that, hey, we have to have threat assessment teams in every school. And we also have to train those individuals on the teams. And so 
no one really wanted to take that bear on and it got kind of passed down to me and i due to my background you know with, with what i've done in my past in investigating criminal acts i had no problem with, with taking that task uh the challenge was getting everybody trained um, so we just finished uh, i think six trainings this past for this school year uh, my last one was february the 7th but a lot of what i've seen have come because of that the behavioral threat assessment uh, we now have to if, if a student makes a comment or makes a statement along the lines whether it's social media a drawing you know a statement to another saying hey they want to harm someone well then it it it, it causes the school to go into a threat assessment protocol procedure and so i see all those coming at me right so that doesn't mean that you'd see a discipline from that right so some of those may not constitute a discipline action uh, for instance the one i dealt with this morning the student made a drawing um, and he was more or less telling the school or telling the officials that hey i need help you know he's trying to do that through a drawing um, and so we're doing everything we can to work with mental health, uh, Lexington County Mental Health, as we've, we've upped that in our school districts, we put more uh, mental health officials in our schools, um, and, and we work with them very, very well in relationships, right? It's all about relationships, and uh, we put them into a threat assessment, a full threat assessment this morning, and, you know, you come out trying to make the best decisions to help that student to, to get to where they they feel comfortable and, and are back to a normal state of mind, um, which has been a challenge. I mean, I've, I don't have those numbers in front of me and I'm trying to work on a, for, for those that are out there, you know, we, that's something you got to think about a software solution to manage uh, threat assessment. Um, it is, it is a bear, um, 32 schools and, and all the students, 26,000, well, I think we're up now about 27,000 uh, students. It can be a challenge to, to manage that. Um, and I'm always concerned if someone came to me right now from our board and said, how many threat assessments have we done? I mean, I'd be, it, it'll take me a while to get that number because I have to call 31 locations to try and manage that. But uh, we're, we're looking yeah. at some options there. Yeah. And I mean, I I feel like you were saying people go so much by numbers, but it's it's just more about the, the work that's going into the threat assessments and following, sure. you know, changing leading practices and stuff like that. And are, are, do you guys, are you trying to have like a uniform threat assessment throughout like you were mentioned earlier in our conversation so the the threat assessment uh, the state of south carolina put out a uniform a document for us to use um i think you know some districts they may manipulate that document i wasn't really willing to do that so we're managing what the state of south carolina has put out for us um so yeah that we all we are uniform as a district in the response to threat assessment with those doc with that documentation yes I feel like we see this a lot when we cover hospitals as well. And we see, uh, you know, a lot of states will recommend plain language for codes and stuff like that. And it's, you had mentioned earlier as well, just how long it takes to get people on the same boat is pretty wild. It, it, and that was a real eye opener for me coming in, you know, from law enforcement side, I hate to say it, but you pretty much, I was telling people to do stuff and they were doing it, you know, and then that was, and you come here and it's sometimes it's, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it's, it's, it's difficult. It's a challenge. Um, it's a challenge to work with, with some of those things and to, to convince people that, Hey, this is the best method for us. And we need to, and it takes some, you know, they got to get used to you, I guess, uh, some trust there. So uh, I guess I've gained that at this point and we're, we're making some good progress here. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, Obviously, a, a lot of schools have systems in place like you do. I, I 
don't know numbers obviously, but I think a lot of them might not have added the texting option yet. But do you have any tips or recommendations for schools that are either looking into implementing a tipping system from scratch or upgrading their current system to include a texting option like your district? Um, you know, when, when we started looking, the, the biggest thing I was looking for was something that we could control. Um, I wanted the knowledge of knowing every tip that came in. Uh, what I didn't want was a third party to, to look at a tip and, and be the one to decide whether that needed to go forward or not. Um, so that was one of my, my main areas. Um, with our current one, we, we manage all of that ins and outs. Every tip that comes in comes straight to us. There's no third party managing that for us. Um, that was big with me. Just, I mean, I, I, I needed to know what was going on and I needed to make sure that whatever came in, it was being addressed. So that was also key. I didn't want it being overlooked. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's a process is what I would tell people. And, um, we, we just updated some of our posters in the district. And I'll tell you, when I handed out the first set of posters, this is for the, for the schools to put up in the hallways, in the cafeteria for students to use this system. Um, apparently I bet three, maybe three or four out of the 32 did not put the posters up. Right. So they just stuck them in a the corner never got them up. Um, so I, I learned that in my learning curve that, Hey, if, uh, from here on, I'll make sure they get put up at each school. Um, but we handed out some new ones. It was it was a funny conversation when they said, "What are these? You know, where, where, what are we supposed to do with these?" So, of course, we're like, "What do you mean? What are these? We, we've been giving them out for years now." But uh, we also implemented on the um, one thing you want to think about is we we utilize uh, technology here. Um, we are technology driven, like I'm, I'm sure many of you are, and uh, we just updated to where the students can uh, make that report that tip through their computer. So it's through an online link. Uh, we, we push out to their uh, launch pad or their class, their launch pad. So uh, now it's just a click of a button for them and they're sending a tip. And we've noticed, uh, we just implemented that, I wanna say it was last week or week before last, but I can tell you, I've seen an uptick in the reports that are coming. Um, one of the challenges you're gonna see is, do they put enough information in there? Uh, students, especially younger students, they, they won't. They'll just say, hey, you know, little Johnny's picking on Susie at my school. And so then and the cool thing about this tip, you know, this tip solution, I was able to respond to them and they can respond back. Uh, there's a way to do that. So you reply to the tip creator and they can they can reply to you. That's key, right? So uh, when little Johnny sends or when the kid sends that, I can respond back saying, hey, what school are you at? You know, give me more information. Uh, things of that nature. And it's it's worked very well, even with the adults that are reporting tips. And I can tell when they're adults because they give more information, you know, uh, pictures and things. So um, it, you learn your way around it. Um, some of them come in and you just, you know, there's just nothing you can do with them. You may pass it off uh, to a school and say, hey, here's some information. You, you may not be able to do anything with this right now, but just, you just need to know this. Um, it just depend on, depends on the circumstances surrounding that tip. Uh, but I'm happy to, to give anybody, you know, any information that I have. Um, I've always been that way here in our state. We we have a roundtable that meets at the state level. And, you know, anything that I'm doing, I'm, I'm happy to give to another district to, to utilize it. So.